Welcome back to the Fostering Financial Victories podcast. Thanks for joining us. I am joined today by Barb and Carly Riggs. So we're going to talk through some real estate stuff. Pretty hot topic. Um, everybody seems to be wanting to sell a house right now. So thank you guys for joining. Um, first off, give me a little bit of background on how long you've been in the business, how you got in the business, and kind of what your day-to-day looks like. Okay. I guess I'll get started. Okay. Um, I've been in the business almost 25 years. Um, we moved to the Greenville area and it's something I always had passion for and thought, well, this is the time to do it. And, um, through meeting people during the time I was getting my license, uh, I was guided to the merchant company and, uh, it's been a great small company to work for that has grown over the years when it was small doing on-site sales and, um, basically transformed into traditional. And now we have a much larger team. Um, very family-oriented company, and um, we just have a, a really great group. Cool. So 25 years into the business, you've seen a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, a few ups and downs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, Carly, you are not quite a seasoned. No. Right? So, um, so I have had my license for a couple of years, um, started in the role of marketing director with Merchant Company for about a year before I got my license. Um, so just fell in love with the company, um, learned a lot about the real estate market and things in that role. Um, and of course was seeing the day to day, um, with Barb and what she was doing and it, um, was interesting to me. So decided to take the leap and it's been a couple of years now, but it's going great. Cool. So interesting dy- dynamic. You guys kind of work as a little bit of a team sometimes. Yes. Right. So. What's it like working with your mother-in-law? <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it, no, everybody asks that, and it, it's it's wonderful. I mean, we've really connected and had a great relationship from you know the beginning of meeting each other, and so um, you know, I it's fun. It's we work with each other. We kind of have different skills that balance each other out. So it's been great. All right. That was not a weighted question or anything. <laughs> um, okay, so Barb, you said you when you moved to Greenville, you got into this business. Yes. What drew you into real estate? Gosh, going back to when we purchased our first home, we lived in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and uh, I even remember our realtor's name, Debbie Stone, and she was very dynamic, hard worker, um, just being going through the process of purchasing our first home. I thought, this is what I want to do. I want to help people fulfill their dreams. And, you know, purchasing a home is is something that everybody, you know, aspires to do. And you go from your first to your second and you, you know, you grow as you, as you get older. And, um, and I spoke with Debbie about it during that time. And I thought, well, I don't know if I can do this. I mean, she had her little real estate calculator. I'm like, I'm not good at math. She goes, it's, you don't need to be good at math. (laughs) So, um, anyway, at the time I was with Charlotte Industries and sales and, um, I've always been had a, a passion for working with people, and I thought, well, when my husband got transferred here to Greenville, this is the opportunity. Go ahead, and I'm going to go get my license and go for it. And um, it was it was nerve wracking at the beginning, not you know being in an area that we didn't know anybody, sure. no family, no you know. Um, my son Matthew, who's now married to my wonderful daughter-in-law Carly, <laughs> he was three years old, and um, and I got my license and. Uh, I thought, well, <clears throat> the good way to start in this business, not really knowing people in the area, on-site sales. People are coming in the door, but I knew I couldn't do on-site sales full-time. I'm not one to sit in an sure. office and, you know, I'm more of a, you know, go, go, go. And so I worked 
as a part-time on-site sales in, in different communities in, in Greenville, Willow Creek, Summerwalk, Neely Farm, um, gosh, there's a bunch more, but um, I, so I did on-site a couple days a week, one weekend a month, and then that, I had the idea, speaking with my broker, I said, you know, if somebody walks into the, to the sales office and they decide they don't want that community and they are not working with a buyer's agent, would I be able to work with them outside of that community and work with them as their agent for them to purchase a home? Well, initially, you know, that could be a conflict of interest. Um, Seabrook was kind enough to dig a little deeper and spoke with the, um, with the uh, developer and with the builder and explained my idea. And I, I just was very, you know, I would never steer somebody away from the community that I'm representing. But sure. if they're not going to buy in that community, you can't, kind you of can't make, races, though, from you there. can't make any buyer purchase a home. Yeah. And he thought, well, that's a good idea. <clears throat> and so that's what I did, and it kind of started. That's how I grew my business through referrals. Got it. So I'm sure you guys know a lot of these statistics better than I do, but I did a little bit of digging before we started today. Um, 21,376 people who are registered uh, to sell real estate and licensed in South Carolina. What about 19,000 in Greenville? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, but the, you just mentioned the the, the client base and kind of building that up. The statistic that I came across says that there's 30% of most realtors business comes from repeat clients. Would you say that's been kind of pretty accurate? Absolutely. Based on what you just kind of described? Mm -hmm. Okay. and 92% of homes in the U.S. are sold using a realtor. I found that to be really high, surprisingly, yeah. especially when you see so many people try to do this on their own. Yes. That was really surprising to see that. Um, do you see anything different of those statistics in the upstate right now? Is it pretty similar? Kind of what you see in the Carly? <clears throat> yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I think for the most part, yes. I think things are beginning to change with, um, you know, just all that's out there online and the resources for real estate you know people are thinking that they can take the route themselves and maybe do a for sale by owner and kind of you know people are looking into the option of not using a realtor um so seeing that more so but i'd say that statistics are pretty accurate sounds pretty good can i chime in on that Eric? absolutely please do so i totally agree with carly what i'm seeing also is i don't know what the percentage is but I think a high percentage of people who try to do the for sale by owner and try to do it on their own, they start into the process and they realize there's more to this. I can't, I can't do this. Like I don't, you know, there's a lot that has to, that goes on between contract and closing. They realize they need representation. So then you get the phone call. Sure. Um, and so I, I think that's where things are changing, where people think, well, gosh, I don't want to have to pay that commission. They don't realize the value that comes with having representation. And yep. then that changes, and then you get the phone call. Right. The other thing is, in this seller's market, you know, sellers that are trying to do it on their own really are doing themselves an injustice because there's multiple offers on almost everything. And so they don't really know... You know, they're, they're looking at comps in social media, or, you know, not social media, like yeah, Zillow, Realtor.com, all those things, trying to figure out, okay, what has sold, but they don't know the details of the entire market and how to price their home 
and then they're either overpricing it, underpriced, they don't know where to put it. Well, then they also don't realize we could be getting 10 offers. How do you so deal with it? What, the only way you're going to get that is if you've got representation and you are in the MLS and, and out there for buyers. So the, the for sale by owner phenomenon, especially in this market, it seems like that's what people are have, like you said, kind of lean towards, but then they get themselves into an issue. Yes. Um, I guess just current market observations. How long does this seller's market craze continue? And I'm not gonna hold you to this, but what, <laughs> like, what's driving it? What do you see? Kind of, where's the tipping point? Yeah, there. I don't know that there is a answer. It, you know, it. You would think that it can't continue forever, um, but you know, in the area like Greenville, where things are growing and people learning more about, um, you know. This area and wanting to come here, it's hard to hard to predict. So I I, I can't yeah. predict it. I agree. Um, I've even had these conversations with our broker, with you know our broker Seabrook. He started the merchant company in 1993. So I've been in the business 25 years. He's been over 50. Sure. And I was in the office a couple weeks ago talking to him, and I'm like, Seabrook, what? Have you ever seen a market like this? Never. So real estate really is very cyclical, as we all know. So you know, back in 09 when the downturn happened, you know, and then it took years for that to come back. It came back. The secondary market is now back, meaning second homes. Um, and it's just so hard to predict. But like Carly said, I really feel like with Greenville being such a desirable place to live that um, I don't see it slowing down anytime soon, but there's really no way of knowing. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It so. seems like there's a lot of people moving in from out of state. Yes. Um, other areas of the country. Yes. I guess, especially being able to work, rem work remotely now, it kind of took some of the, the barriers away from that. Absolutely. Um, so I, it, it is interesting to see, even from our business, of the amount of people coming into town that yes. are not from this area. So, um, the, so when you guys were starting, this is kind of a question for both of you. So the hardest part or the hardest obstacle to overcome initially when you first started, what was it? Or what is it? Maybe you're still there. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think um, it's just patience and, you know, not wanting that, okay, you get you get your license and you've got these ideas and, you, you know, you're marketing yourself and doing all these things and wanting, you know, an immediate client base. Um, and I think real estate is something that is just um, takes a little bit of time to really, um, you know, build the business and, and see that um, come out. So... Think patience was the the biggest um, obstacle for me, and okay. I think I've kind of, you know, starting to build a little bit more and seeing some people that have, um, you know, maybe saw marketing or stuff a year ago, but now they're in a position where they're ready to buy or um, have a house to sell. So, what about you, Barb? Same same thing. Same thing. Um, you know, maybe in a little bit of a different way, um, because when we moved here, you know. I was 25 years younger. Um, I had a three-year-old, didn't know anybody. Sure. And the obstacle to overcome was trying to really even figure out not only how to build a client base, but learning the area as well. And um, and it, it it took time and it took a lot of patience. And, yeah. you know, you real estate is not what people think it is in regard to, oh, I'm going to get my license. That You know, it's so busy in Greenville, houses are selling, you know, I'm gonna get my license and start selling a lot of houses. It doesn't really, it doesn't work that way, it takes time. Yeah, I think yeah. people, 
maybe have a false sense of security seeing someone who's really successful at it. Maybe they've been in the business, you know, you know, 25 years yeah. and thinking you come in and immediately do the same thing, replicate it. Yeah. Right. And yeah. like the patience piece, <laughs> no, it, it takes time. That's hard to, yeah. you know, I want it right now kind yeah, of deal. Yeah. Um, Definitely so, a, a more long-term mindset and vision than, you know, expecting something in the short term. Yeah. Is there anything that you wish, Barb, is there anything you wish you would have done differently if you could go back and restart? That's a tough question. And if there's not, that's okay. You know, I, don't, I would say I think it's think been it, pretty good. Now, yeah. no, not really. Okay. But um, the one thing that Carly has been amazing, we are really a good team because we, like Carly said earlier, we have different strengths. You know, she's really good at marketing and and the technical type things, um, Excel spreadsheets. I mean, things that that I just, you know, I still have my file folders in my office, you know. <laughs> everything's digital now, everything's on the computer. We have right. a dot loop system where all of our files are and it's great. I still have to have that folder that I pick up, you know. Mm -hmm. you, this era does done. not need that. You know, I feel like I'm very organized in my own way, but the computer part of things, keeping files of all your clients in the, you know, in that, in that, that aspect. Okay. Um, I could have done better with that, but now I've got help. So <laughs> <laughs> you just find somebody that knows how to do it better yeah. and don't worry yeah, about it. We're right? a good team. <laughs> um, okay. So the the lifestyle of someone in real estate. We were talking about this before we started. You were out last night at nine eight nine o'clock working on some yeah to fix you know finish out a house closing. Um, how do you balance lifestyle and work and be productive with work, but also be able to turn it off, which I know that's probably a relative term. Yeah. Well, I'll start. Um, <laughs> you know, it's interesting because I have people that'll say to me, my goodness, you work seven days a week. Well, yeah, but you know, I wake up in the morning some days and I don't really know how, what is going to happen. There's days that like, you know, after this interview, I have an 11 o'clock closing. You know, I know that that was scheduled. I've known that scheduled in real estate. You don't have a daily schedule a week ahead of time most of the time with right. with the exception of closings and appointments that are already scheduled i could have five phone calls today to list houses or you know come show me this house you know and i love it i love that the about unknown it. i love it yeah and it's um keeps me on my toes you know um i think it's important to you know exercise and and do the other things in your life eat right and, and have a a good work-life balance and of course family comes first and you just have to kind of go with it yeah. each, each and every day but you know there's I work every night you know it but it doesn't it's not like work to me because I love it you know I got a phone call last night from the final walkthrough of from the buyer's agent at 815 you know the smoke alarm in the bedrooms hanging and there's you know a railing outside that's loose and I said well that wasn't really in the home inspection but I'm gonna go check it out because I want to make it right sure and I went to the house with a ladder and my husband came and helped me and we put it we put the smoke alarm back up to make it right for the for the yeah. seller or for the buyer I'm sorry so you so, just do what you have to do and it and it it's rewarding so having young kids right now I've got young <laughs> kids yours are a little bit younger than mine how do you how do you balance this yes. It's the grind. It's just, <laughs> it's just, you know, one day at a time. Um, 
No, it's great. I, th- I think that real estate get, does give you, um, you know, some freedom and the aspects that you can set your own schedule. Um, but there, you know, there's also, like Barb was saying, a lot of unknown that, you know, it's hard to predict the day to day. So um, we've just been really fortunate to have, of course, family around that can help with kids when needed. Um, family and business partner that can answer questions or step in and, and help with that as well. So. All right. So the flexible schedule. Uh is what draws a lot of people into real estate. And it seems like it could be a trap to some degree. So the same statistics that I've pulled across earlier, they had an income statistic for people who work in real estate, working 21 hours to 39 hours a week, their income on average, not for everybody, that on average is about 47,000 a year. If you work over 60 hours a week, it's 147. Wow. That's a huge difference for 20 mm-hmm. extra hours. Yeah. So do you think that that maybe gives credence to some people will get into this and, and not really treat it like a full-time job and they use that flexibility and it mm-hmm. kind of is their demise? Yeah. Whereas if you get in and like you said, just grind away, yeah. you, you'll see the benefit. Yeah. Well, I think it's, yeah. um, you know, yeah, people get in and they do think that, yes, you can set your own schedule, but does that mean that you're going to turn clients away when they want to go see something? No. You know, if, if it's a 7 a.m. appointment and that's the only time that works for them, you make it work. And right. I think that, um, you know, seeing Barb, I don't, I don't think I know anybody that works as hard as she does. So <laughs> she has a flexible schedule, but she, yeah, hands down hardest worker I've ever met and gets oh. it done. So it's... um. I, I had never heard that statistic, but it makes sense it's when you big, see it. It's a big you, difference. Mm-hmm. Okay, so on that note, it's very interesting. What came to mind when you, on that note, was I've worked with agents where it's, say, it's my listing. And the buyer's agent I'm working with, I can tell in a very short period of time that they have another job. So they're working full time. They think they can do real estate on the side and they're working a nine to five job, I figure it out after like, like, a, like in a week. I'm like, why is this person not getting back to me? Sure. But, you know, and then all of a sudden I'm realizing that every time they text or call me back, because there's a lot that goes on between contract and closing and you have to work together. Yeah. You know, you're not working against each other when you're on the listing side and the agent that's representing the buyer, you know, you're representing your client, they're representing their client, but you have to work together as a team to get to the closing table. And when I get responses after 5 p.m., you know, all for every day, I'm like, oh, okay, well, they have another job. Yeah. And this isn't working. A bit of a pattern. So, and then going down the road, I see that agent's not in the business anymore. It doesn't, they don't last very long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not really, um, it's not really an industry to be part-time in is what it sounds like. Not if you want to be successful. And not only the success part, but I don't feel like you're representing your clients in their best interest if you're not full-time. Got it. Because right. if you're working another job, that's not, you know, you're not giving your client 100%. Right. Yeah, you got to put in 100% even if it's six months of yeah. no income. You just got to do it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and, and focus on the long term. So. All right, so that brings me to a question. Y'all are doing a great job because none of this was planned out. But the uh, fluctuations of income with people in real estate, what are some ways that you all have managed to deal with that 
in terms of, hey, you might get paid this month, but it might be three months before you get paid again. Um, right. How do you manage, one, the aspect of being basically an independent contractor, right? So that comes with challenges from a tax perspective and knowing how to manage that effectively, but also the budgeting and just cash flow and saving how, and just making life work, right? So yeah. what are some trip, some tips that you guys have, have kind of come across that helps for that? Yeah, I'll be honest. We're we're in the middle of that and figuring that out. And, and you know, as things are starting to play out, um, we're still learning that. Yeah. Um, of course, it's a you've big been challenge, a, right? yeah, you've been a big help providing some tips for us. And so we're you know trying to know what our survival number is, and, and you know, and trying to stay as close to that as possible. Yeah. Which we may know we have some extra income coming in, um, and hopefully when we get that, that can be saved. Sure. So yeah. just trying to live, I guess, a little bit lower than maybe what, what the income number says, because it's unpredictable. <laughs> you just yeah. don't know. Yeah. Right? yeah. It's, it's Absolutely. So you have to plan ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And it probably takes a little while to try and, you know, figure that out over the course of, I mean, you've seen a lot of different ups and downs in the market where it's been oh, yeah. really good and then really, really dry. Yeah. So, you know, from a, I guess you get a, from a mentor perspective, <laughs> you have somebody that's seen, seen all sides of it. Right, um, right. Yeah. Okay. So with the uh, buying agents, selling agents side of things, okay, so which one do you like the most? And you're not going to offend anybody, but, <laughs> and then is it ideal for someone to specialize in one of those or to be generalist and kind of work across? Or does it matter? I mean, I, I like both for different for different reasons. You know, I love to work with a first-time home buyer that is super excited, you know, about about getting their first home or, you know, and it's they're just it's exciting. And then you get to the closing table and there, you know, I had one last Friday um, that he just couldn't he even said at the closing table, he's like, I can't stop smiling. I mean, that just warms my heart. You know, that's why I love what I do. Yeah. Um, now this has been a challenge in this current market with buyers, especially first time home buyers, because homes are going for over list price. There's multiple offers. There's, you know, different things as a, as a buyer's agent that we have to do to be creative in order to get them their first home and in, in order for them to win out. Um, so that's been very difficult and challenging. Um, from a seller's perspective, you know, being a listing agent, I love doing that as well. You know, I meet with my clients ahead of time and I, I call it kind of a pre-appointment you know, go through the house, do they need anything? Is there anything that needs to be fixed? Do they need to update? Do they need to, you know, remove furniture? That type of thing. Um, get it staged for pictures and, and for, you know, explain to them that when you're selling your home, you want to make it feel like, you know, they're the buyer, not the seller. So, you know, less is more. So it, there's so many different aspects to both sides. And I, I really love both. Um, so that's kind of my, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think, yeah, it, you know, I think it's great to learn both sides of it and know both sides and knows what goes into being on either side of that. Um, yeah, like Barb said, it, it's tough being a buyer's agent right now because you um, hate to see when things don't work out for your client, especially if they, they're pretty excited about it. So that's, that's certainly tough. Um, but uh, yeah, I've, I've enjoyed both sides. Which one do you think is harder in the long run? Right now? Well, right now, but just in yeah. general, is there, are there aspects of being a buyer's agent or a listing agent that are more difficult than the other? 
And I'm saying this because yes. there are people who yeah. are thinking about getting in real estate. Right. Just, you know, what's the dirty 30% that you really just don't like doing? <laughs> all right, so. We love it all. No, yeah, you don't. I, okay, no, so, you don't. <laughs> so the difficult part on the listing side, okay, let's, you're, you're during, from contract to closing, you've got your inspections and all that, and you're waiting for the buyer's agent to send the inspection report and the list of requested repairs. Then you have to go through everything with your seller and contractually they're responsible for the structural items that yep. are in the contract. Well, there's variables there too. Like if there's some things on there that aren't contractual, but you've got a really strong contract and you're getting over list price for your house, be nice to the buyer. Just do the little things. Like I try to get them to make it good for them too. Yep. And even if they're just little minor things. Um, but you know, in the long run, I mean, contractually they don't have to. So going through the inspection process can be difficult. Um, it's it's it can be smooth. It can be a deal where you've got, for an example, you've got a buyer's agent possibly on the other side that that maybe is not a seasoned agent, and they send you a two-page <laughs> repair request of thirty things that are that is basically a copy of the inspection report. Well, that's not how it works. So then you have to, in a very professional way, explain. Well, these twenty-five out of thirty items are not contractual. Well, confrontation. You know what there. I mean. No, I, I don't. I never really. You just, <laughs> you just work through it. Yeah. You know what I mean. And um, but I enjoy even. I've had younger agents that are in in a situation like that that have reached out to me for help. You know, like wow, thanks, that really helped me. And I'm yeah. like, oh, that makes me feel good. Right. You know what I mean? I'm helping them. Right. Helping um, grow. Which means, you know, I know I'm getting old, but it is what it is. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> You're the mentor uh, now. <laughs> Yeah, I agree that yeah. I, from the listing perspective, probably going through that inspection process and doing that is the most challenging on the listing side. Um, and I'd say probably on the buying side is um, just the, the timing of everything. Think, especially right now in the seller's market, things are going quick. So when a listing hits, it's that you go now. Right. You go. Yeah. You go drop and, everything yeah. and go. Yes. And, um, you know, and sometimes that can be inconvenient even for your client because they're at work and they've got, the, you know, they've got their life too that they're trying to, to, to handle. So it's, yeah, moving quick Okay. right now. So you guys interact with a lot of people in your industry day to day. Are there any qualities about people in general that help them to be successful in your world? It's just kind of a, an overarching theme where you can see that quality in almost everyone that you work with. Carly? <laughs> I would say I don't think. know that I've seen yeah. in everyone, but one thing that I think is helpful is kind of points back to the point that Barb was saying is working together as a team. Okay. Um, just be kind and do what's right. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you are, you're, you're representing your client, they're representing theirs, but at the end of the day, we're trying to do what's best. Um, for both parties and so just you know doing what's right and going the you know the little extra mile or doing the the things that you know probably aren't in the job description of, of what may every everybody does but it makes a difference in the end for both for yeah. both sides I agree mm -hmm. okay all right um, last couple questions I have so when you decided to work with your current company Marchant yes um, I assume you had exposure to other other companies and you've 
you've obviously seen other companies throughout the last you know two decades um, how would someone best go about identifying a group to partner with in your in your industry like what are some things that they should be aware of or maybe some things that, to look at you know I feel like <clears throat> as individuals you know from a business perspective we, we're all wired differently and there's some people that maybe um, are suited more for a larger company and they want to be in that type of, of an environment um, and maybe they're new to the area and they feel like that's going to be a better fit for them um, but really it's it's the feel for when you go and you speak with the broker and meet people in the, you know the other agents in the company you know what works best for that for that particular new agent because um, over the years, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I've had, I've had other brokers reach out to me to, to come to work for them, and, and, and I like to meet them, and I, they're all my friends, too. Like, agents from other companies I've become really good friends with. Sure. And um, so, you know, I'll go and I'll have lunch with them, and I'm, I basically have pretty much said every time, I, I'm, I'm really happy where I am. You know, the Marchant family is a family, and I've become part of that family, and yeah. it's really special. Um, and, you know, Seabrook and Ann, um, they, they just are amazing people. Seabrook is a wonderful philanthropist um, who helps, you know, so many different, you know, Meals on Wheels, and, and he's very involved in the, um, helping the local police force, and um, it's called LEAD, um, that he started that. Um, he's just a really, really good man and very well-respected in the community. And um, I feel like that has helped me in my business. You know, I remember my first closing, he said to me, and I don't, don't spend that commission. <laughs> I'm like, what? I mean, this is 25 years ago. Yeah. I'll never forget it. And it's all the little things that he has taught me. What he meant was, you know, you've got a contract, but you didn't sell that house yet. Right. Anything can happen between Not contract and closing. It's all the little mm -hmm. things, but... Um, you know, getting back to your initial question, I think it's an individual thing, you know, that somebody might be, want to be with a, a larger company. Um, but our company does the same thing as those larger companies. We market, we have great a great marketing team. Um, you know, you when you list and, and buy a house, you're getting individual attention and, you know, it, it just really just depends on the individual, I believe. Cool. Mm -hmm. So with social media being as big of a, um, issue as it is right now, and I don't mean it's an issue, but um, we see a lot of people who post from real estate, uh, the real estate market, three, four, five times a day on yeah. social media. Mm -hmm. um, how necessary is it to have that same presence, or maybe even a greater presence, or is it necessary? Can you build this thing without being a tech genius or a guru on social media? Yeah, no, I can, I can speak a, to that a little bit. That's a good, um, yeah. You know, I, I do yeah. think it's important. And um, the reason why I say that more so for me is, you know, my friends and my network of people, they're on social media four or five times a day, you know, hours a day. And so it's a great tool to stay top of mind, um, you know, for friends that, that use that. Um, now, Barb, May, maybe doesn't have to be so involved with that because a lot of her business is referral based now. Um, but I think as a new agent starting, it's a great tool. Um, you know, it's inexpensive, inexpensive marketing, sometimes even free, depending on which route you take. 
Um, but yeah, each platform probably has its own demographic. So just kind of figuring out what your market is and, and working that to your advantage. But I do think that it, it plays a role. Is there one platform that you found to be more successful than the others? For me, um, Instagram. Instagram? Mm-hmm. It's just a market demographic thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So is there anything that, uh, well, yeah. All right. Last question. Is there anything <laughs> that you would tell someone who's trying to get into this business? What one piece of advice you would give them just to kind of kickstart it? Set a goal, focus on the goal. Okay. Day to day, focus on the goal. Okay. Um, you know, don't, don't get discouraged. Um, if you've got your goal, just keep, keep pushing towards it and it may take some time. So it's patience and set the goal, work towards it. What should the goal be based around? Um, it's different for, for, for everybody. Um, for me, my goal starting out was to bring in an income for my family and build a career and help people. So um, for me, it's been a, it's a, a long-term goal that you know, took some time to play out, but it, it's starting to get there. All right. Yeah. What about you, Barb? Well, that's the thing. <clears throat> you know, when, when new agents get in the business, you really do have to be patient. And when Carly's speaking about goals, make it a long-term goal because in real estate, you're not starting out and right after you, the day after you get your license, you're, you're not on a payroll. You know, you, it's, it takes time. And I remember um, when I started out, I was somewhat discouraged because I was nervous, like, oh, we have all these fees to pay and, you know, I'm putting out all this money and I've got a three-year-old and when am I going to sell my first house? Like, I have no idea. Well, my husband was very, very supportive and he said, you can do this. Be patient. Just be yourself. That's the main thing. Be yourself. Be honest. Um, care about people and it's going to come. It's just you got to work hard and um, and just always each each and every day realize that it's it's not a daily thing or a weekly thing. This is long term. It could take you six months to sell your first house. You sell your first house, you pay for your fees, you get referrals, it builds, but it takes it takes time. Yeah, yeah. Just rinse and repeat it. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I think um, one other thing. I'll, yeah. You know, because it, it's it's a big thing that I probably take for granted um, just because it it. You know, I, it's family and it's business, but finding a mentor or someone, you know, that that you can ask questions, that's willing to work with you, willing to help you, because um, there's a lot. Every deal is different. Everything is different. So just having someone that is experienced, um, you yeah. know, and just being able yeah. to have that that support. A sounding board. Yeah. Yes. Be able to vent. Yeah, is, this <laughs> is this normal or yes. is this, yeah, are they picking on me kind of thing? Okay. Um, okay. So there are two questions I've asked every person who's sat with me on this podcast okay. uh, since we started. I'm not going to ask you both of both the questions because be, there won't be a surprise anymore. Um, I'll ask you individually. So, Barb, <laughs> if you could buy anything in the world, regardless of how much it costs, what would it be? Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Putting you on the spot. Yeah gonna be oh my goodness that's kind of hard because material things aren't that important to me I just buy something wow. anything in the world you think about that for a second Carla your question <laughs> last two that things is hard last two yeah. things you spent money on last two things I spent money on um 
<laughs> I think it it was Walmart groceries at Walmart and daycare. <laughs> daycare. I, I kind of figured there would be more kid related stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, anything in the world. I she's mean, still battling this question. I really am. So, Carly, you're going to laugh at this. My boys are hilarious. They've always wanted a lake house. Okay. Well, I may have heard that a few times. I'm like, I'm like dude, good luck. Like, go ahead, <laughs> save your money. You know. That'd be it. I guess, but that wouldn't really be. It would be for the lake. whole. You might as well buy the whole yeah. lake. Yeah, buy anything. Be for the whole family. Costs, right? Yeah, we'll uh, buy the whole lake. She's thinking big over here. I like it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> All I don't right. Know. Well, guys, tell. Everybody, how they can find you if they want to reach out and ask you questions or you know con- sure. connect with you. Yeah, um, Instagram, Facebook, Marchant website is marchantco.com. Um, information's there. Um, cell phone. Yeah, cell- yeah. got our number. Yeah, the email address, cell, cell phone, yeah. text, call, email. Yeah, hunt us down. Cell phone and email is the best way to reach me. Um, I always have my cell phone on me. Um, 864-423-2783 whether it's call text if you want to text me I'll call you back um, and Carly and I are always here to help perfect yeah. well, thank you all for joining us um, I really appreciate y'all taking time out of your day yeah. thank you thank you for thank having you guys us for, it's been uh, fun. for joining us as well um, if you have questions or suggestions on topics that you would like for us to cover you can email us directly at our website it's fostervictorwa.com or you can connect with us on Instagram it's fostervictorwealthadvisors Uh, Thanks again. We'll see you next time. Information contained in this podcast was intended for general use, not to be used as specific advice. For content tailored to your personal situation, please contact one of our wealth coaches.